people will want peace at the expense of truth. Right? We can have you can have safety, but that doesn't mean you get to have freedom. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And in this episode, as always, we hope to encourage you to seize the faith. Wow. Fire intro. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that, by the way. Yeah. It slaps. Yes. As the kids say, I'm told. The kids do say that <laughs> okay. nowadays. That's a thing. Unless it was so two months ago and... I'm just sadly mistaken. No longer cutting edge. Kids, why don't you tell us what you say these days? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we would. We, we, somewhere between um, Jesse, which he really enjoys the screamo and the occasional significantly hardcore, and me, I listen to everything. We, we both listen to everything now, I'd say. We're, we're pretty... You, I find that people who say they listen to everything when you're like, oh, yeah, how about this metal band? And they're like, oh, I don't listen to metal. Yeah, no, it's like... I'm like, yeah, but you say you listen to country and you call that music, so... Anyway... That's either here or there. Welcome to uh, this episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast. Episode 28, you were entitling this one, Finding Freedom in the Fear of God. Ooh. We uh, wanted to take uh, this month, uh, doing a whole month, just doing ideas of freedom you know what? in different aspects. We live day by day, so you never know. Well, it's moment by moment faith, so that's that's the way to go. Yes. I was going to say pray without ceasing, but I'm not sure what that what the connection was there. But you should, so we encourage that. Yes. Yes and amen. Seize the prayer. <laughs> See, we were... We were hoping uh, to engage some of the big ideas that have kind of come, uh, I guess they've bumped the heads pretty hard this past year, really. Uh, the ideas of liberty and freedom, uh, particu- particularly in Western thought, and uh, this, this idea of fear, um, and, and geez, mainly controlling fear, right? Fear that controls hmm. and exudes so much power. And we kind of want to talk about that from a biblical perspective. So bring in some, some cultural realities for... The different spheres of sovereignty and, and fear and how it plays out and then uh, engage with with what the Bible says and how we should go about living our lives actually with God in mind as we think of fear and, and how that actually brings freedom. Alrighty, so uh, as we dive in, uh, I wanted to share what the big the big idea for this is. We actually we actually wrote this down like the days of old. So our big idea here is this. This past week we celebrated the birth of America. Uh, much has happened over the past year pertaining to the liberties that we have and how they come and interplay with fear. The world was taken by storm with the COVID-19 pandemic last year, and everyone from policymakers to parishioners weaponized fear in very effective ways. Why does this happen? Why is fear such a useful tool to those in power? And how does salvation through Christ alone change how we see and experience fear? So that's what we will be talking about on this episode 28, Finding Freedom in the Fear of God. We thought we'd start off with just basically addressing the idea of what is fear. Hmm. Because if you don't answer that question, I feel like you, you're just living the abstract here with this the whole idea of this podcast. Yep. Take the language, take the world. We've got to define the terms here. So when we speak about fear, we're trying to speak biblically about it. Um, that's our source of truth, and the source of truth would be what God has told us. Fear has traditionally been a centerpiece for those uh, for those who are in uh, Christ, and namely in the Judeo-Christian um, tradition. Fear is something that expresses the idea of piety throughout the Old and New Testament, as it relates to God, like the fear of the Lord. Yes, which would be the beginning of wisdom. 
Yes. Yeah. A- amen. Indeed. As the uh, as as Solomon wrote in the Proverbs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> putting the wrong <laughs> emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllables. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, that's that's how Proverbs opens up. Proverbs one seven. Fear of the Lord, rather, is talked about all throughout the Old Testament and the New. Um, just some uh, shotgun verses here. We've got Job twenty eight twenty eight, Psalm nineteen nine. Uh, moving into the New Testament, we got Matthew ten twenty eight, um, which talks about. Um, oh man, I just completely lost that. I'm gonna have to look it up now because my brain. Do you know? Off the top of your head. I'm so sorry. Which verse? Matthew ten twenty eight. I was too busy thinking about Ecclesiastes. Oh, there we go. Don't fear. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both the body and soul in hell. Um, Jesus teaching there. Uh, we've got Second Corinthians seven one, Hebrews twelve twenty eight through twenty nine, talking about God being a consuming fire. I was um, thinking Ecclesiastes talking about how the whole of life can be summed up in fear God and keep His commandments. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. Hey, another yeah. another wisdom literature. Yeah. Boom, 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 Jerry. Fearing God. Boom, boom, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fearing God also also plays a part in the Shema, right? Uh, Deuteronomy six. So uh, har- harping back. To the definition of biblical fear, this 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 idea of fear in the Lord, um, something to, to actually strive for. Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which I recommend every Christian family should buy. Webster defines it as this. It says, in scripture, fear is used to express a filial or slavish passion. In good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and a real love of the divine character leading the subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. This is a filial fear. Now, can you imagine today's Webster's Dictionary containing such a definition? The answer is no, you cannot. Why? Because they've taken everything out of it, everything good. Anyway, shameless plug. Yeah, the Webster's 828 is uh, is not a cheap book, but it is a good book, and it is thick. Well, you could probably get it for cheap, but the version uh, I have is quite amazing. And it was gifted to me, so I'm glad I didn't have to buy it. I, rec- I recommend, just this is like a little side note, if you want to uh, find books, particularly used books, you can go to biblio.com or thriftbooks, both good places to find used books a little cheaper, just FYI. Well, there you go. There's also a free app. I do not mind plugging this. Yes, there is a free Webster's 1828 app all as well. Um yeah, it, it contains words and definitions you could not possibly find today, mostly because we've ruined all the words and taken away all the definitions. And so, whatever you want it to be! So, so sad. Reference to episode, take the... <laughs> right, take the language, take the, take the, language, the world. Take the world. <clears throat> um, so, that's, there's, there's a, a positive view of fear, fearing the Lord from the Bible, but I feel like what oftentimes we, we referenced in culture when we talk about fear is the act of actually being afraid. Right of terror, of anxieties, um, of submitting to a powerful thing coming underneath of that in fear. So um, I, feel, I feel like culture culture does not grasp the same concept of fear that the Bible provides, which is exactly why we're doing this podcast. Right, and there's a there's just some very clear realities to fear uh, that we we should think about. Fear um, realities, fear fearality. fear realities. <laughs> Nope, that doesn't work. Fear, there's some realities to fear um, when you start to think about them. Namely, work. that we have, we can have, you can have rational fears and you can have irrational fears. Um, and in talking about that, we, when you think about a rational fear, uh, a rational fear is usually grounded in something that can actually happen and maybe is even potentially imminent, 
Whereas an irrational fear is something that is so rare that to fear it makes no sense. Like, um... Oh, man, I was about to go COVID. Anyway. Uh, like, irrational... F- oh, no. I'm so just sorry. jumping right into it, aren't I? I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just touching all the buttons. You sure are. Touching the buttons. Anyway. <laughs> Not just COVID. No. An irrational fear might be... Um, uh, something like clowns. Oh, yeah. Yes, something like clowns. Um, a rational fear may be of death or something that is death-inducing and imminent. That might be a rational fear. Like, let's say you lived... <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in the movie It, you're usually pretty safe. In fact, we saw a clown this past weekend at the 4th of July parade. Oh, we did. We did. Yeah, it was hilarious. Stinky. stinky. Literally hilarious. I enjoyed it. Um, anyway... <laughs> When, when you, here nor there, if you were to live, like, I don't know, near an erupting volcano, and you had a fear of being burned to death by molten lava, that'd be very rational as you live near an active volcano. I just I recommend also not living near uh, active volcanoes. It's yeah. just an FYI. But this is a, just an example of irrational versus rational fears. Um, but either one of those can, can produce the feelings, the emotions, by the way, another good episode, uh, of, of that terror and anxiety... Uh, and, and fear that causes us to then uh, relinquish many aspects of what you might call freedom uh, under the bondages of submission to our emotions. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. But where we wanted to try to bring this conversation is to this intersection of fear and freedom. Because I find, I think when you, when you really start to grind the, grind the gears here down, that fear and freedom, they require... Maybe there's other virtues involved in there. I think we might we talked about courage as we were setting this up, but they definitely are are much more on polar opposites than than anything else. Um, because we, when you start to think about fear, you start to realize how much it can control you, right, and how much it can enslave you. Um, which is why when you look at the list of phobias, there's a phobia for everything, and you know the reason there's a phobia for that particular thing is because. You know, there is somebody who has the fear of clowns, and they have, albeit an irrational fear, but it is a gripping reality of fear that call, that controls them yes. when a clown them. is in their presence. Yeah. They try to avoid clowns, which is really easy nowadays. There's so few clowns. How many clowns around? They're anymore? almost extinct. So, yes. So, <clears throat> where, free, where fear and freedom collide. So, uh, we did want to get into a little bit of the, the historical roots, it, it being... Uh, Independence Day, most most recent past. So, what practical what practical fear, what rational fear did our founding fathers have when they were setting up the government of the United States? Um, that is that is our first our first main point here. So, I know this seems like maybe circuitous to get to freedom and fear, but we thought a great way to connect it would be given the fact that so many freedoms and liberties seem to have been <sighs> extinguished, expunged, or at best. Um, liberated from people <laughs> the freedoms were liberated from people this this most recent year sadly that we could start on this independence day with understanding how our country here in america was founded namely the fears the founding fathers had were of outsized and centralized or concentrated powers within governing bodies yes 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 and amen they they saw the problem with too much power and too being held by too few individuals, creating the greatest amount of tyranny, which was something that they wholeheartedly would want to resist. 
But as also de Tocqueville points out about democracy, uh, they also feared the, the tyranny of the masses, uh, where a symbol democracy, right, in a simple form is the majority wins. So the, the, the tyranny of the 51% over the 49%, they also feared that greatly. And so one of the most interesting things you'll find when you try to find the most democratic countries is the U.S. often falls outside of the most democratic countries because we are specifically not a democracy, we're a republic. To achieve, to relieve themselves of both these fears, the American, American founders created perhaps the, uh, mo- the, the most slow and laborious government they could possibly think of in creating a republic. And honestly, it's one of the greatest gifts they have given to us as a people. Yes. Um, because even though the government has taken to itself much more and more and more power, they have, they have also been stifled time and time again by being incredibly slow and it being incredibly laborious to actually get things done in our government. Right. So that's... It's kind of the whole point, actually. Yeah, it takes whatever power they have and dilutes it immediately by that making them uh, have to walk through many processes. Yep. Which is good. So, now, the irony here, and we'll, we'll circle back, Saki. Um, well, sorry, I'm sorry. Circle back, Saki. <laughs> we'll... <laughs> okay, just to be clear, for those of you that don't know or are unaware, uh, Jen Saki is the... Uh, uh, what is she called? Wow, I'm losing it. Press, um, press secretary. Press secretary. White House Oof. press secretary. There you go. White House press secretary. And she, when she doesn't know an answer, she says she'll serve the Ministry back. of Truth. So she. <laughs> oh, 1984. Orson Welles. But <clears throat> she says circle back. And when she says when she doesn't know an answer, she says she'll circle back. But and then she never circles back. So, so that's but a big name. But whatever. Ironically, when she does, I feel like she. I feel like I feel like in her mind she's like gotcha. And then the reporter's like, yeah, but that that never happened. And then. Then she just has to circle back again. <laughs> she has just this resort to continually circling oh, back. I will circle back on that. Thank you. So funny. Anyway, yeah. So we'll we'll circle back on this later. But the reason that they feared this outsized concentrated power is, ironically, um, unashamedly, and unequivocally, it's because they feared God. Um, it was this this fear of tyranny comes is born out of a love and obedience and fear of God. And because they know God, who he is, and what his character is, as well as the scriptures better than probably any, any certainly at least lay-level individual does in America nowadays, you know, they, they saw those as problematic and as more than, more than capable if they were not so careful um, in deliberating how, how the country should be set up and operated. So if that seems disjointed, <clears throat> maybe if we can refresh it. The reason they feared giving too much outsized centralized power to governing bodies is because they knew that the freedom and liberty bestowed upon man came from God. Right. And that to give too much outsized power over those th- over those types of, of freedoms and liberties to the centralized government was would be to put the centralized government in a place to take away liberties that they had not given and were not theirs to take, namely God-given liberties. Right. There's, it is overtly Christian. Uh, this is not kind of Christian. The founding of our country was not not Christian was not, was not deist. Um, sorry, so many people like to say um, the founders of our country believed uh, immensely in providence. Even the ones that are, are thought to have been deists, and you usually write off three or four names. It turns out there were a lot more founders than that. 
Um, and even those ones, you're looking at maybe one. Maybe Ben Franklin was was completely deist, but he himself also talks about providence. And if a God, if there is a, a hand of providence, a, a God that is providing, um, then indeed he is involved, and therefore deism does not quite work. I just want to be clear on this. It's explicitly Christian. People be crazy out there, y'all. It's very annoying. History is written down. You can just read it. Yeah. Well, unless they change it. Like the, minute, uh, like, like the Ministry of Truth. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> in that new book, 2021. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. So the, the next thing we wanted to kind of go through is uh, ways that tyrants have weaponized fear in the past few years. And uh, we kind of broke it down. And this will the, the categories blur. But um, a little bit when we're talking about tyranny. Not so much the categories blur as like as how different spheres yeah. use fear. The, the uses of the use of fear tends to be it, it tends to have maybe have maybe has different um, practical outflowings. But the way it's used, whether it's a individual person or a government, tend to be this tends to be the same. We wanted to take it and bring it down. So we thought just for fun, we would go back uh, to our understanding of sphere sovereignty and use um, the four spheres we talked about. Uh, in our episode on sphere sovereignty, uh, namely government, church, family, and individual. These are God-given spheres of authority. <clears throat> namely that God gives both government, he gives church, he gives family, he gives individual, these spheres uh, uh, in which these, in which each one of these is its own sovereignty and how they intersect. These spheres he gives. Yes, it, it's totally true, Yoda. Um, so <laughs> how is fear... <laughs> Um, used by these different these different spheres uh, in a way that makes it weaponized, in a way that makes it uh, turned into something that, that, as we talked about in the beginning, can control, right, and bring bring about emotional slavery. It's it's really in essence what what happens with fear. Yes, when authorities use <coughs> fear defined as terror as a coercion tactic, that is a fear in, in man made institutions. That is a fear to be. Aware of and rejected and not feared, but we'll, we'll get into And what you'll see is it, it doesn't matter what the man-made institution is, right? Well, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what the institution is. These are God-given spheres, right. whether it be government or whether it be the individual. You'll see how we know that we deceive ourselves all the time, and we know that we can easily let fear do it. So it's, it's the same for any of these spheres. Yeah, that's true. I didn't mean to confuse that or negate that, but I just mean when I think of that, I think of... You know, well, there, well, there is a godly fear, and we are going to dive into what that is. And so, I just wanted to kind of make a further distinction between that and what we're talking about here. But whatever, it'll be kind of self-evident, like these truths which we hold will be self-evident. Anyway, so uh, first and uh, probably most easy to talk about would be the government, the civil government. Justin, what ways do you think that <laughs> that the civil government has weaponized fear in the past few years? I, if I was going to answer that in probably as sim- as simple a way as I could, uh, it would be any and every way they possibly <laughs> could. We have everything from race to to gender to COVID, the entire thing, all of COVID. You know, uh, one, one of the funniest things, or one of I guess the most ironic things about COVID I saw recently was a, was a tweet by the the Surgeon General. Last year, when everyone was buying up all the masks and there weren't enough masks for us healthcare workers or whatever, and uh, he's just like, guys, stop buying masks. He's like, masks are not effective to protect the general population from COVID. And then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> but the entire U.S. policy was based on masking people for an entire year. That did not age well. Yeah, that, that tweet did not age well. 
hilarious. Um, the government. So it depends on what you're talking about. When you look at what a government, our particularly our government, we're speaking about our independence day here. So we're talking about our government. When you're looking at our government, it's set up to be a constitutional republic in that the government should not be taking to itself any powers that are not explicitly granted to it. In fact, any any unenumerated powers are specifically in our Bill of Rights to be granted to the people. And that's that's an important point as far as our government goes. And so what, they'll, what they're able to do then is take, take emotions and utilize them, right, to cause um, unrest. So if they can take, right, fear and use it to cause uh, panic, if they can take fear and use it to cause division, uh, then they have created scenarios in which they can take power to them. That's the whole idea of using fear. And fear is something that they will use all the time, right? But what is it? Solinsky never... Is it? No, it wasn't Solinsky. It was, oh, no. Never let a crisis go to waste. It might have been in Rules for Radicals. Anyway, it'll be in the show notes. The, the idea of never letting a crisis go to waste is, hey, there's, there's the opportunity for fear to take seed here. Um, and as we, as we see fear take seed, we can, people, people automatically do, particularly where we've identified individuals as free individuals being given, given God given rights. The tendency there can be for the individual to, to take that emotion of fear. And once it grips them is to relinquish those God given rights so that they can then feel Rahm Emanuel. safe. Rahm Emanuel, um, Obama's advisor. Wow, I'm just I'm failing up and down here. No, I don't know. That's fine. Rahm Emanuel. Never let a crisis go to waste. There you go. And it doesn't. It's not inherently that you know Rahm Emanuel. No matter no matter what side of the aisle you're on, fear is used by people that want to gather power to themselves. Doesn't matter what their political strand may be. Right. Correct. Uh, we'll see because we're going to talk about the church, the family, and the individual here. It doesn't matter. So when they take this, when they use this fear and generate that feeling inside of someone who's God given rights. So much so that they're willing to give up their God-given rights instead to have safety. I mean, it's hearkening back to the scriptures. It's hearkening back to this, the idea of the scriptures where First um, Thessalonians 5, 3. People will say, we have peace and we are safe. And at that time, they will be destroyed quickly as pains come quickly to a woman having a baby. And those people will not escape. <clears throat> Talking about the end times. That is the ICB, which I am going to say I will never read out of again. Well, wow. I've never. It read made out of me again. feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. But the idea, the specific idea that Paul is pulling on Thessalonians. What's is, the I stand for? I don't know. It does say Bible, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, they use they use woman. It can't be the intersectional. We have peace. We have safety. This idea that that people will seek after that in doing in, in seeking after peace, right? You're unwilling to have conflict. Of seeking after safety, all right. These these things both uh, go against things that we know are very real. Uh, in order to have peace, tr- truth, right? Truth and peace can be very. They cannot. They cannot sometimes be diametrically opposed. People will want peace at the expense of truth, right? We can have. You can have safety, but that doesn't mean you get to have freedom. So that you make this great exchange of safety for freedom. Because fear has, con- has taken over and, and brought controlling power over you, and that's what the government seeks to do. Ways in which they did that this year: uh, COVID. Yep, a thousand times every thousand way. Times. Um, I mean, what one that's probably a bit more touchy would be um, like a lot of the rioting and stuff like that that happened last year uh, with like the George Floyd protests and the and the, the racial based fear, the fear that that they have been stoking among minority groups about how the government is calling itself systemically racist now, which basically... It's so dumb, because... It it completely undermines any 
Uh, it doesn't even matter that they're calling themselves systemically racist. They still believe that they're the only ones that can save you. That can, right, yeah. And it's just a creating more of a it's just creating more of a guilt complex uh, and, and savior complex in the people that 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 speak it. It's an abusive relationship is what it is. It is. Robin D'Angelo literally is trying to make sure that you know she will save you if you are, are black. Well, like Robin D'Angelo, hell no. Oh <laughs> no. Yeah, they there there definitely is is the fear that was cast there. Um, I think even even the there's just there's so much fear drummed up uh, in and around the. Capital protest. The fear that was drummed up around that. There's. It's. It's again. It's wherever you can make fear control people, and you can manipulate them to to do what you want. Right. That's what the government seeks to use fear for. Yeah. Whenever whenever they seek to use fear, you have. You always have to ask, what are they asking me to give up in order to get whatever they're offering me as a means of safety? And oftentimes they're not gonna. They're not gonna ask for cursory things. They're gonna ask for. As, as, as Governor Murphy, our, our, the great governor of the, the People's Republic of New Jersey, stated uh, on air that uh, the Bill of Rights is above his pay grade. He has no interest in actually preserving our God-given rights. Why? Well, because I, I honestly, truly don't think that he, the man believes God exists to begin with. So if you don't believe God exists, there's no such thing as God-given rights. And he can just do whatever he wants without any sort of uh, repercussions to him. Um, in his own mind about that, but God says something differently, and we must call him to repentance. But uh, that's that's a whole different. Boy, is that a whole different podcast? One of the things I, I just was thinking this popped in my head just recently. This is super current events, but uh, like Governor Governor Cuomo uh, in the great state of New York, just I, this is this is very recent within the past couple of days, uh, pledged like a hundred and some million dollars towards gun violence. The uptick in violence in the major cities has been pretty bad this past year. Uh, so you look, you look, you look at it, and it was it's it's the guns. It's obviously the guns. The fear of violence should be upon the guns. We need to curb the guns because the last time I checked, uh, the the gun in my safe has shot no one uh, ever, um, and that's because guns actually can't shoot people. You need a person to shoot a person. So <laughs> guns don't kill people. Ah, <laughs> that's 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 just another. It's just a st- stoking of fear, and even the guns they want to confiscate have nothing to do with most of the gun crime that's in New York. Uh, what has to do with most of the gun the crime in New York is the fact that they uh, no longer are policing and enforcing laws uh, correctly, uh, and that is the case in most of our, our major cities. And it's very very sad. Um, if you would like to control crime, you 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 begin to police it appropriately, and crime goes down. You ready for this cognitive dissonance? It's called consequences and responsibility. Sorry, go ahead. Ready for this cognitive dissonance, right? I love cognitive dissonance. So the argument, right, for gun for gun control, or rather, we'll just call it what it is: gun confiscation from from normal law-abiding citizens. Violation um, of the Second Amendment. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, you know, the argument there is that, um, or no, I'm sorry. I'll start with I'll start with this. So the argument from the left on abortion is if you make abortion illegal, people are just going to buy, or people are just going to get abortions committed anyway, so we might as well just make them all legal. Right. Right. But apply that to guns. They don't apply the same concept to guns. Okay, so so they're saying, no, if we make all of these guns illegal, it'll stop the crime. Well, no, it won't stop the crime. Why? Because criminals are going to crime. 
Colonel's, Colonel's gonna crim, you know. <laughs> you know. I feel so like I feel the like... cognitive dissonance there. They're literally using the opposite arguments from one another. They're like using the pro-life I... argument yes. towards gun control, yes. but not applying it towards abortion. Right. <laughs> I feel like there's oh, oh like the insanity. Anytime you start to think about sin, and particularly um, legislation that would condone or or affirm sin. It is all based upon circular reasoning. Yeah. Every, every time. Sin makes you stupid, man. Sin it, makes you stupid. It, well, yeah. It would because it's, you know, God is God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge and truth and sin would be against all of what God is. So, yeah. I'll have to agree with you there. All right. Well, I mean, we could talk about the government all day. Yeah, seriously. We, um, we, we, we had to put a hard, hard, hard stop on that. Hard stop. We, we got it. Clearly, if you want to gather power to yourself, fear is a key component of motivating people to give up their freedom. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the church. This one's going to hit hit hard to home because we're, we're critiquing our own selves. Um, but so the church really, especially over this past year and especially with COVID-19, really just piggybacked off the government concerning fear of COVID. Um, you know, that's, that's both in, in Canada, our brothers and sisters up in there who are still having it ridiculously hard. I feel like they're all alone. Um, you know, well, they're, they're not, they're not alone, but I, I feel like the amount of churches standing up are so few and far between, uh, and we can only but pray that that changes. You know, I, I talk to some who are very optimistic about that changing from what, from what I hear, the general sentiment is people are starting to get fed up and now they have their summer of freedom. Yay. Summer of freedom. So yeah, they, they really piggybacked off of Canada. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, maybe not, you know, I was, I was listening to my neighbor talk to somebody the other day, and he, he, he claimed to be a pastor, and he said, you know, that he he normally is against vaccines, he, he doesn't like them, he doesn't get them, but he's going to get the COVID vaccine to be a good example to his people. And I'm like, well, that's not leadership. You know, if, if you don't think it's good for you, why the heck are you taking that just so you can be an example to your people? Like, that's not leadership, that's, I mean, that's frankly cowardice complete, and hypocrisy complete conformity is what that is yeah <clears throat> I, I i think if you're going to be an example that, that pastor's feeding <sighs> off fat sheep they both get eaten both get eaten sheep first then the pastor we talked about this but they they basically gave over the worship of god to to caesar yeah. caesar was in charge of the worship of god yeah they they let caesar dictate how and when and where and who would be worshiping God on any, any given moment. And the reality of the church is uh, it literally was the place that that would remain when hardship happened, right? You, you turned to it in times of war, in times of famine, in times of sickness. You went to the church because there was hope there. But when you close the doors of the place with hope, it is no wonder that depression and anxiety skyrocketed as we saw COVID closure after COVID closure across uh, the world is no wonder because because when you can't you can't even go to the places and access hope, uh, even this, even even our our far less significant communities were shut down and people without people without people made for community without community that they, they, they had no access uh, to plugging into that eternal truth that they were designed to be together and right. they had no access to it. Yeah, it plunged them in the darkness and the church, which is supposed to be a beacon of hope and light uh, and salvation, God's salvation for the world. Closed its doors, and that talk is about hiding under a bushel. They were like, "Boom, bushel! Give me that bushel! I'll take three. Under a bushel, yes. Government, give it to me. Like a bushel made of masks. Uh, a bushel <laughs> made of masks. 
Oh my uh, gosh! And but, and to yeah. roll over without ever without ever understanding the Christian tradition, the, the history of Christians that said no, there is freedom to worship God, and and you will not step over it. Right. You will not come. This is the line. We will we will stand here. We will we will on this hill die. This is this is how God has told us to worship Him. We shall worship Him this way. Yeah. So, I mean, really, the the church has revealed its biblical ignorance in how it uses Romans 13 and 1 Peter 3. And this past year, it has turned over worship in the house of God to Caesar rather than to Christ. It is unconscionable. It will be judged either in this life or the next, and it will be judged harshly. But, we again, we could talk about this all day. Um, Another interesting area where the church uses fear is is in the area, the topic of Christian witness, um, Last episode, we talked with Blake Long about his book, Gospel Smugness, uh, and, and how we can cultivate a culture of truth while being Christ-like in our communication. But we, we've talked a lot before about the 11th commandment, this be ye nice, this love is better than or more important than truth. Um, and it really seeks to silence people. People use the language of love to try to silence people. I mean, it happened to me on, 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 on several of my posts. This isn't a... Speaking of me, this isn't a Christian. This is not how Christians should talk. Christians shouldn't talk about sin publicly and condemn it and whatever. And it's, it is a tool, this love language, this, these tone police are in charge of silencing any discussion about the righteousness, holiness, and standards of God within the church. And that is just egregious. It, it grieves me greatly to see that happening. We just talked about Aaron's line from Exodus Six verses fourteen to twenty-five, uh, as Aaron's being established in the Exodus to be basically the the prophet of the prophet uh, of, of of God. So it's it's God to Moses, Moses to Aaron, um, and as he's establishing him as indeed a Levi and a Hebrew, it runs through his uh, his lineage, his genealogy, and we talked about uh, his his grandson Phineas in Numbers twenty-five one through thirteen. And if you want to see how if you want to see how how <laughs> How a man acts jealously and righteously over over God and God's righteousness. You go ahead and turn to Numbers twenty five and read one through thirteen, and just check it out and see what uh, see what Phineas did. And I'm just saying we we treat truth and sin uh, with with love in the church as if there's some way love is compatible with with sin. Um, we had a local church uh, literally literally be the center hub for. Uh, one of the towns near us, their their Pride Day, and the the church was the center hub for the Pride Day, complete with authors and all their books to, to children um, about about the LGBTQ community in their parking lot. As the whole parking lot was set up to do you know yoga for Pride and uh, booths and it, and I I'm just I'm just <laughs> where have we gone that we as the church will no longer condemn sin with the vigor and fury that we are to, we are to, right? So it's because we don't, com- we don't condemn it personally. So that comes out in the individual next, right? But, but because we we're unwilling to put sin to death in ourselves, we, we feel that if we just celebrate it as the church, then it's okay. Like we've given it the okay. So it's okay. It's okay now. Mm. But that removes the truth from love. Yep. It, it, to, and without the truth, you are not loving. It is not loving if you do not have the truth. Yeah, it's um, and the church oh. uses it does it uses fear in this way, mm-hmm. right? It, it you, if you are not being loving, you are you you should be afraid of the backlash right. that is coming to you. It's going to come upon you 
uh, if you do not witness with your testimony the right way. Yeah. And then, and then they, those detracting voices join with the already loud, obnoxious voices of our culture who are warring with God. And I'm like, I'm sorry, whose side are you on? Like, what, like, what is, what is going on here? It's, it's really bad, really bad. If that wasn't enough, and <clears throat> so we realize that there may be many of you listening, not just in our geocentric place, but there are other places of the country that are still, well, you still have some good, solid Christian <laughs> culture there. And and I'm thinking I'm thinking of you, Bible Belt, as they used to call you back in the day, um, where the other side of fear the church can come. Let in. Let me just say, America needs some Bible suspenders at this point. <laughs> our pants be falling down. Oh wow! Oh no! Our Bible 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 pants be falling. Our, oh gosh! Uh, this metaphor is breaking down quickly. Gosh dang it! But we were thinking the other way in which the church has often used fear uh, is to f- motivate people through fear uh, of sin. Uh, and that produces legalism in many ways, uh, different forms of asceticism, uh, the, the, the hating of, of different things that, that, that aren't inherently sin. Uh, we create these pharisaical fence laws around them as the church, right? So uh, you think of, uh, you think of uh, m- movies, right? If you, it used to be, this, is, this goes back to the, the fundamentalists that were here in South Jersey, but if you went to a movie, you shouldn't do that. Because no one knows what movie you're going to see when you walk into the movie theater. Maybe you're going to a kid's movie, and it's rated G, but you might be going to an R-rated movie. Ooh. And that could have any manner of violence, or foul language, or drug or alcohol use, or nudity, any number of things. And nobody would know. And someone could see you going in there, and they'd be like, that guy's a Christian. He's, he could be... Ah, the movies? He's probably going to see the R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. And then you've lost your testimony. And that's using fear to manipulate somebody in a totally different way, yep. right? And I'm looking at you, Matthew West, all right? The church used fear, uh, right, with purity culture the wrong way, and then motivated Matthew West to pull down a hilarious song. If you can still find the video, it was great. It was called Modest is Hottest. Matthew West is a Christian, uh, a Christian singer. And it was just a funny, uh, engaging way Good, wholesome. To, to, oh, to, call, to talk about the fact that modesty is is very important in God's economy. It is important, ladies. It just is. Right? And so then some people got up in arms and, oh, there's purity culture where they told us, you know, what stupidly, stupidly told us that sex is bad and gross, so save it for the one you love. Right? That's a dumb motto. Sex is good and glorious and it is worship to a holy God. That's what sex is. When you definitely, do it in the context with your spouse. Definitely worth waiting for. Yes. For sure. Yes, yes. Even a long wait, uh, it is a good and glorious thing. And 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 yes, purity culture that made sex this this anathema was was wrong. It was wrong to be yeah. sure. It was like it was like but they had the not, right idea and they right. went about it the wrong way. And so so here's a, here's an example of both types of fear, right? The the fear that that someone felt that they were put under purity culture and they were they were shamed and they were scorned or they, they felt abused because they didn't know how to properly understand their sexuality or whatever they're saying about purity culture. They took that and then you put it into the fear of niceness and attacked Matthew West's normal, fun song to talk about modesty and the dude pulled it down. The dude pulled it down because pulled they said, down. how dare you? You don't know about purity culture and you're not being sensitive. To, and, and then there's here's the other one. This is the one. And this bothers me. All right. Okay. It's not our it's not our responsibility to be modest. It's your responsibility to have the right thoughts. Now, look, yeah, 
sure, it, it is absolutely a man's responsibility to not be sinful in his heart and thoughts with lust. That's called lust. Right. Uh, to be immodest. That's a sin. Yep. Guess what else is being? Guess what else is a sin? Immodesty. Immodesty oh. is a sin. Oh boy. I will be emphatic with that and be clear with it. Okay. All right. In our days, the braiding of golden hair and the wearing of fancy chains and jewelry is called crop tops and and shorts that show off your, your the entire lower portion of your butt. That's 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 what those things are. And so you have to understand that you're still adorning yourself in immodesty, as the scripture tells you not to, but rather be dressed with the holiness and righteousness of God. That's the difference. Yep. So I was going to say that. I'm going to leave it alone. You know, it's, and it's, see, this is what happens. It's so we good. bring up these topics. And the reason we put this in the church is because it wasn't just like the secular people getting all up in arms about this. There were pastors making just terrible slanderous videos about him, about Matthew West. Not even slanderous about him, about God. Yeah. They were, right. they oh, were saying man. they would affirm... You wear whatever you want. Like, wear no. whatever you want. What no, the heck? Where is that written? Don't do. What a terrible idea. What a terrible message for children. Like what the heck? You never do whatever you want because no. guess what? God is sovereign. He has told it's you the, what to do. It's the, don't classic, do we, it's the classic Adam Ford, the heart is evil comic. Comic. It's like which will be a link in the show notes. <laughs> it's it's it, it, should, it should be it should be <laughs> printed out and put put inside of our homes. It's just like it's just like. It's it's so clear, and it's exactly it. Like our hearts are deceitful and terribly wicked. It's just it's so bad. Anyway, Modest is hot is a hilarious video, and you should watch it if it's still available somewhere. Which I'm sure, thankful because the internet's are the internet's. There's no way you can ever erase it. It's probably somewhere, but it's really funny. Enjoyed it. I actually memorized the words. So if you you know if you can't find it, you go ahead and message us, and uh, I'll sing it for you. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds like a great deal. Oh yes, or I'll do it for free. And then after you listen to it, you will regret your decisions. Full of regrets. That's the church. So we have to move on here. Government and the church. We thought we wanted to come down. We did want to make make note of government because they they have gathered so much power to themselves that it was not theirs to gather, and they have overreached so much that it's important to talk about them. And we wanted to talk to the church about talk about the church a lot because hey, uh, it's it it's by far. Uh, as far as the spiritual care of, of souls is concerned, it is the institution God has given. It is so frustrating. And so it's important. Oh these God. two are the most, they're just so important to point these things out. But next, next this is, is going to be a mega episode, Justin. Next we come to family. You're at 47 minutes. Stop it. We can do this. Family. Oh. Um, and how, how, how does fear intertwine with the family? I think we can think of many ways in which uh, it does. So one of the ways we, we thought of was using fear as the primary foundation of discipline. When you use fear as a disciplinary tool, you are outside the biblical call of discipline and are simply punishing. And there's a difference between discipline yeah. and punishment. And th- this is a hard line to walk daily. I, as a parent, this is a very hard line to walk daily because so many times we are so tempted. Satan knows us. We are so tempted to discipline out of anger. And the same in your kids' hearts. They touch the buttons. They, that's what they do. They are, they are they, button touchers. They, that's what they are. They do that thing. Yep. Touch Hands with the buttons. Uh, and <laughs> because because they're sinful and we're sinful and they touch the right buttons, boom. Boom. Then you're then you're flying you're, off into anger, anger and that causes discipline to turn to punishment. You're, you're using fear. Suddenly your loud voice, your face changes, and fear is what motivates your child to then 
comply, <laughs> yeah. which sounds just like the government, which, you know, it sounds like how the church is sometimes done with. Well, I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's what happens. We're talking about authority structures, right? And that's exactly, it's, it's, it's the same thing, just on a different scale. And this is the same thing that happens inside of a family when it's a husband and wife as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this goes both ways, whether it be the manipulations of, of emotions that, that, that a wife could use, whether it be the literal physical violence that a man can do. Fear has no place. Or emotional, or, you know, yeah, there's both, all, all the sorts same. of manipulation. They're both the same, yeah. and, and that's the reality. Fear has no place. It has no place. It has no place in that relationship yes. in that way. Fear as, a, as an intimidation tactic is is demeaning to God's creation. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, because God's clear, uh, and we'll see that in a minute, that it's love. Love is is how you're going to do that, and, and you, you absolutely love and truth go together to form the best outcome wholeheartedly. Um, another another idea stemming out of this idea of um, fear in the family is operating out of a fear of what other people will think. Um, I, I, I I truly see so many people, if you know, like when I post something controversial on Facebook, um, you know, you, you get some likes, you get far more comments, and then you get about five or six people who message you personally saying, hey, I saw that, I thought that was great, I really do got to take a more, more of a strong stand for my faith. And those are the types of people that I'm talking about now. That it is so, it is so, we, we think it is so important what other people think about us and we are so afraid of what other people will think about us that it causes us to do things. Living out, living out of that fear causes us to do things that we know we shouldn't do or it causes us to not do things we know we should do because we would rather be people pleasers and God pleasers. And we fe- we have so much, such a fear inside of the family structure that we're going to be uh, a bad husband or a bad wife or a bad parent right. and we we let we we let what other people say or what the culture says dictate to us uh, how we're going to do those things when instead of letting the bible inform uh, how we're going to live those things out right right so that we 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 need to grab a hold of things like education um the education of our children is super important the bible calls the parent to train and teach a child and so primarily that is the first function and out of that that means we have to be guarding and watching and caring for the education of our children well when you hand them over to state institutions right a government that already uses fear to control that that uses fear to cause division i mean then what do you think you're handing them to you're handing them over to caesar right as mm-hmm. as Vadi Bakum would say caesar gonna take your kids away mm. Mm. yeah uh, it affects that, and it affects the. the well, things. I mean, I, I was thinking specifically of like things like the Equality Act, where they, they where where now, now the government's going to actually have the power to remove children from your home using fear by stating that oh, your parents teach you that they can't think they can't think that they have but, to be well because they're teaching you hate, they're teaching you hate. Right? How dare they teach you hate? But yeah, so you know, especially when it comes to like education, you know. The, the first the, the first thing that whenever you talk to somebody about homeschooling is is like am I going to mess up my child the second thing is what if my child is weird and you know like of course you know of well course, you had no hope I mean looking at you you right yeah you just took honestly, that honestly that your kids that are right as amazing and beautiful as they are it's a simple <laughs> miracle <laughs> it is a miracle. completely due to your wife I mean <laughs> um you know but like I mean you know the, the, these are things that that people that people consider and a lot and both of those things have been barrier, barriers to people barriers one of barriers 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 to people in conversations that I've had you know like what if I mess up my kid as the one who's solely responsible you know like what if I do mess them up and the the ironic thing is is what if you mess them up by sending them to x y and z and you really shouldn't do that 
Um, because ultimately, regardless of whether you homeschool or whether you place your child in an educational system, um, good, bad, or ugly, you are going to be the one being held responsible by God for that. So re- regardless, your, your level of culpability is still going to be the same. I think I think you want to tie this directly together. Like, for example, if I were to take this, tie it up for me, brother. If I was going to take this example and talk about media out of it, because media is another area in which the family needs to have exercise great care and control, and and the, and the media can actually cause a, through influencing cause us to have fear about what we do and don't do inside the family structures, right? Whether it be bullying from something that we say on the media's, uh, or whether we we read or watch a media that causes uh, fear. Uh, and, and moves us from fear to discipline in a certain way or to to teach in a certain way. Um, like, for example, if you were to think, uh, oh, no, if I homeschool my child, I may ruin them. Well, I can tell you this. I don't care if you homeschool them. I don't care if you private educate them. I don't care if you send them to state schools. I, you know what will you know ruin your kid? Giving them unset, unfettered access to a phone. Mm. Yeah. Put a smartphone in your hands, uh, parents, and you will you – will, you will, I, I almost I dare I dare not say it because I wouldn't want to bind someone's conscience, but I almost think that to give children unfettered access to a cell phone um, is is a, a sin of parenting. It is a it is a almost almost at this point um, it is a sin of parenting. You, you've got to be all up in that thing uh, to make sure that that the the culture is not corrupting every bit of of truth and wholesome god-given gifts in that child out of them uh through any matter of media i'll just i don't know i went off i might have gone too hard there i apologize <sighs> um moving on to <laughs> <laughs> just a hard stop there strike that <laughs> no okay don't strike that. <laughs> so um ju- just the idea is that is that it you know operating out of fear of what other people think pushes you to do what is popular rather than what is biblical and that's that's really where we're going to sum sum that that area of, of discussion up with. So moving on to the last sphere of government, the smallest sphere of government, which would be the individual. And we'll talk about this briefly before we get to what what a good, proper, healthy fear as a Christian looks like. So th- this one was kind of hard. It, it's hard because we're we're, fa- we're talking about turmoil within ourselves, right? But but one thing that that I think you pointed out rightly when we were trying to brainstorm for this. Um, is the the type of person that screams loudly and causes a ruckus. So we, we think of things like social justice movements is are the examples of, of small minorities or small individuals controlling the majority of opinion or or stake in a claim. You, you know, the, the amount of homosexuals or transgender people or any, anything in that rainbow cornucopia of things, um, cornucopia of sin... You know, um, the progressive pride, pride flag has so many stripes. So many stripes. And it looks like they're attacking the other stripes. They're like eating the other stripes. Yes, yeah, so the progress pride flag is confusing. Is there a stripe hierarchy? I don't I, Yes. No, there is there definitely is. a stripe hierarchy. Uh, so get, get get in line, son. Um, so which line? The diagonal line or the... <laughs> anyway. No, no. no um, you don't get a line. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. I don't get <laughs> a line. You don't get a line. Um, you know, but but is it is regardless, if, if you take all of those tiny minorities of people, it is an infinitesimal speck compared to the amount of heteronormative individuals in this on, on this on this planet. Oh man, what do they call it? The the hetero matrix, the heterodox matrix that they're fighting against. It's, so there's it's, so many words. So many words. So many words. But but you but that's just to say that, that a very, very small minority of of individuals 
are pushing fear-based agendas and are literally swaying entire nations to put forth policies well, you know, according nations, to their will. Not all the nations. Not, all, not the Muslim nations. Well, I didn't say it. You did. Muslim nations don't care about that. I'm just saying, not a lot of pride flags in Turkey. <laughs> nope. They'd be, they'd be throwing people off of buildings not in much Turkey. In, not, not, much in, not many in the Gaza Strip. Nope. Not even a lot in Russia, really. Nope. Russia used to want to show you want to, want to show you the amazing uh, heights of their buildings and then also introduce you to the fastest way down. Fastest way down, yeah. Yes. Let me show you the fastest way down from here. Yeah. And, uh, um, and by the way, just to be clear, that's evil. That is, that is awful. Oh, yeah. We're not trying to make light of that as if it's a good thing. What they that do, is not our desire. That, that, le- that level of evil, uh, genocidal persecution is is absolutely wrong. Um, but the celebration of sin uh, is is the same affront to God. Yeah. So, you know, so we, we, we think of we think of that, of pe- people joining causes or, or operating as a small minority of ruckus rabble-rousers Causing um, fear into the individual, they right. that causes the fear of of conformity, and and that was always one of uh, De Tocqueville's analysis of America. One of the dangers of this individualized freedom uh, was that uh, as the loudest voices come, they could sway the most people, uh, even if there's a level of fear uh, to conform. And and I mean that's. That's what happens on an individual level. This being a nice thing doesn't just affect a group or a community. It affects the individual. Yeah. Um, and it motivates, it uses fear to motivate other emotions. Like, oh no, you, you have to be this way or you're unloving. And then the fear of, of missing out becomes the fear of missing out on being loving. Right. I'm afraid. What if I don't love? If I don't love, I'm, I'm doing, I must be doing this wrong. Right? But then you realize that love has been totally defined away from love because it doesn't involve truth at all. It involves lies, and and if you lying, to, if you think lying to someone is loving them, then I, you are then I, you're a pretty sick person. Mm. That's all I gotta say. So an, another area of, of individual fear um, that that we can talk about is uh, personal legalisms, right? So that's we, we can we can easily define that as uh, letting fear and not scripture be your judge. Um, letting fear and not scripture be your judge. So this is, again, the heart being deceitful and desperately wicked of the individual. Who can possibly know it? Uh, this is that's what this personal legalism is. And then the problem is, oftentimes, personal legalism never stays there. Right. It tends to come out, mm-hmm. right, uh, in judging who and what and how people do. And I, I, Just ask all, the Pharisees. Right. And we're all culprits of this. I, I know I myself have thought uh, that's pragmatically. Uh, that's not the way that should be done. Right. Uh, no, you know what, and this is, and I, you know, you think to yourself, the gospel truth of this is, this is how it must be done. And that, that always, it creeps out. And then you're just being judgmental based off your own personal hypocrisy and, and, and that fear of getting it wrong, that fear of stepping outside of your <laughs> religious structure you've created for yourself, which by the way, isn't God's take, takes over. Yeah. And, and so to, to conclude talking about the individual, um, we were kind of thinking that along the lines that the greatest enabler of personal tyranny is that individual who is living outside of biblical community. That biblical community is the, is the means, this, the means by which God is used to safeguard the Christian individual from these types of fear-based controls with, within our own hearts and within our own selves. Because when we live in community, um, you know, the thing that we live for is able to be seen and checked and confronted if it's wrong. So we're not joining these rebellious, sin-praising causes so that we're not 
so that we're not putting these fence laws in place where they need not be put in place. We're not living out of fear, but we're living out of love and obedience to God. You know, a community is the thing that can check that. A biblical, a good biblical community is the thing that can check that. And so living outside of that is really the greatest hindrance to our spiritual growth in these areas. And it makes sense because almost every sin you can think of um, is simply the using of something that God has given as a glorious gift uh, for our own selfish motivation. And so you can see how, how being greedy or a swindler, uh, can they, they both can be, it, it, is, it is good to work hard. It is good to produce as much as you can. Uh, but when it's your God, you suddenly become greedy or a swindler. And that's, that's, that's the sin, right? The sin using a good and glorious thing, like working with your hands to the glory of God uh, and, and creating something that is valuable, whether it be a service or a product that, that people want and, and you working in that way is good and glorious. Right. But when it becomes your God, it becomes sinful and unrighteous. Yep. And that's pretty much everything. And you need a community to keep you aligned. So that, that really does throw off the yoke uh, of fear in our, in our hearts, this fear that we're going to get it wrong or this fear that it must be done this way or else you're wrong or even the fears of conforming to loud voices the yep. community grounds us. Yep, yep, yep. We need to conclude this, Mo. We do. Um, so the, the, the last section is uh, called The Proper Fear Leads to the Greatest Freedom. And Justin, what is the proper fear that we are talking well, about? Well, the proper fear that we're talking about uh, is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, uh, it literally takes away the other fears. It is, it is placing your faith and trust in God, which removes those fears this is the secret of christian courage and boldness and that is good old sinclair ferguson who literally said that yep the fear of the lord tends to take away all our fears this is the secret of christian courage and boldness um, it's so true it's just fear is 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 faith is trust faith is trust in god right faith faith in god is trust in god and that trust takes away the fear if your trust is in the sovereign of all right if God is God and your your trust is in God, then then who do you fear? It's, it's uh was it was it was that was that Calvin or no, Martin Luther? Right? You're basically you're never in the minority if you're with God. Why would I fear? Why would I fear? Uh, anyone plus God is the majority. Right. There's nothing to fear there. Hmm. The proper fear of God, which is which is the reverence and all that God is is deserving of. Right. It, it is required. And having that brings freedom. It brings great freedom because it puts you in the construct in which you were designed to live. You were created to live in this way. It really, you know, it's funny because it really all comes down to the courage. That's that, that's that other hidden virtue. The virtue that is behind every virtue uh, is courage. And, and the, courage is not, not being afraid. Courage is being afraid and doing properly with that fear what you are supposed to do, yes. nonetheless. Yep. And that's that's where this idea of trust in God. No, I, it's not that I'm not afraid of God. It's that I, I am rightfully afraid of God, and yet God loves me. And so my trust and faith grow, and it's because of his kindness that I've, I've been led to repentance. And I no longer have fear. I mean, our greatest fears were, for, for, were, were over death. But Christ has conquered sin and death. It no longer has that hold it should have on a Christian. Yep. Amen. Be- beautiful words. Beautiful words. Beautiful encouragements. Great, great quote by Philip Brooks, particularly Philip Brooks is a <clears throat> Anglican, no, Episcopal. He was an Episcopal minister, 
Uh, and he said this regarding courage and fear. Courage is the indispensable requisite of any true ministry. Courage is good everywhere, but it is necessary here, speaking of in the ministry. Mm-hmm. If you are afraid of men and a slave to their opinion, go and do something else. Go and make shoes to fit them, but do not keep on all your life preaching sermons, which shall say not what God sent you to declare, Oof. but what they hire you to say. Oof. That's a good word. Man, that's, that's a so, good word. So, it's just so good. Such a good word. Uh, that, and that, that, it's that's so nice. I feel like we almost need to say, say it twice. It's so nice. Shout out to Virgil and Daryl. <laughs> Love those guys. Just Can't wait guess. to meet you guys at uh, G3. Yeah, like they listen. <laughs> they don't, but I just want other people to know that we're going to say hi to them. The proper, <laughs> the, proper, the proper fear of God. Uh, I'm going to be like, I'm literally going to be like Mike when he gets in, when Mike Wazowski and Monsters, Inc. when he gets on the cover of the magazine, but his entire face is taken up by the barcode. That's me. I'm just so excited to be a part of it. It's like, oh, I'm so... Oh, I'm so sorry. We Mike. made the cover of a magazine. <laughs> this is it's, this is classically men without chests. This is what fear leads us to. If fear leads us to, uh, just like that quote from Philip Phillips Brooks, the idea that men men are afraid to lead well. Uh, they they have no chests. Uh, they've been given the truth. They see the pressures of the culture. They see the pressures of 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 the government. The conformities. That would be required, and they run to that because they have no chest upon which to be. They have no, they have no heart to stand courageously for what God has called them to stand for. And so we see that the proper fear of the Lord doesn't bring the greatest freedom. Yeah. Um, another another great word since you added some in there. Um, a word by F. B. Meyer: God incarnate is the end of fear, and the heart that realizes that He is in the midst will be quiet in the middle of alarm. Um, just the idea, I'm not, I'm not sure we really pulled pulled a ton on this, but there's always more room for more podcasts later. But just the idea that, that the, the fear of God calms, calms and quells anxieties and worries in, in this life. Um, so amazing. Such a great reminder. But I'm, I will not launch into a. I will not launch into an <laughs> separate podcast, as we know. Uh, as we know, we'll what, circle back. First John four eighteen clearly tells us right that perfect love casts out fear, and and what the the thrust of this reality is is if God loves you, if God be with you, then who who could possibly be against you? Yeah, that would matter one ounce. Yep. There is no. There is no one that stands against God and finds himself victorious. Nope. There is none. And so to stand with God, if God loves you, there is no nothing else to fear. And so we should stand boldly in the face of governments trying to take away our freedoms or, nay, others' freedoms. It doesn't matter whose freedoms. The church should stand boldly and say, no, that is not what you can do. Yeah. I mean, it was Martin Luther that said, of whom shall I be afraid? One with God is a majority. Yeah, isn't that that's what I was trying to say earlier? Oh, man. Hey, listen. I got you covered, bro. Thanks, bro. Just a couple minutes too late. Thanks, bro. No big deal. Uh, the, the, Ain't no thing. The, the, the reality that, that God's love, that God, the, the proper fear of God, brings the greatest freedom uh, over, over the church, allowing the church to no longer have to worry and fear what culture is saying or worry and, or dear gracious, for the minister and pastor to worry and fear what the congregation might think if he should say something mm. that is biblically true but culturally offensive. Oh, no. I oh. mean, the freedom that comes from realizing what Christ has done allows the 
pastor to stand boldly in the pulpit and speak the truth of God, and it allows those sitting in the congregation to affirm and cheer the truth of God on in their own lights, lives and in the lives of each other in the community of the church. You should not be expecting the Spirit to do a work in the hearts of your people if you are withholding from them the truth in God's word. Oh, amen. Amen. Say it again. I wish that I could do that. But, you but don't I don't said. remember what I just said. I said... If I you're s- expecting the Lord to do a work in the hearts of your people and you're not, produce- you're not speaking the truth, then you're not going to find that work produced. I said it worse. But you, that's what you, you should not expect the Holy Spirit to be working in yeah. your congregation if you are not willing to give your congregation the true word of God, if you are going to withhold that from them. You there you go. That. See, you got there. There we go. All, All right. right. <laughs> that's our encouragement to you. If you would like to truly be free, you need to know Christ. Because yep. if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yep. Fear will not control you. Why would you fear man? Rather fear God. Yep. All right. Great work. Minute a minute and ten. An hour and ten. An hour and ten, which means ten minutes longer than we like to be. You know this, so uh, just listen at 1.2 speed, and you'll be good. Yeah. yeah piece of cake. Yeah. Just scrunch that right yeah. up. Scrunch the words right in there. Yep. And uh, by the time you get done listening at 1.2 speed, you can most assuredly seize, seize the, the faith. faith.